Hi, we're the Ghouls Next Door. I'm Gabe, the Horror Tribble. And I'm Kat, the Death by Robots Tribble. And you're listening to the Black Tribbles Network. We are part of a really amazing geeky network that explores all things that you find geeky and nerdy. Uh, And cool. Yeah. If that's the Black Tribbles or Garbled Cast or this one, which is specifically about horror in society. Enjoy. I'm Kat. And we're the, the ghouls, ghouls next, next door. door. So, welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about some stuff. Yeah, this is our Romance Gone Wrong series. It's the last episode of it. We'll miss you. Yeah, love. a little bit. <laughs> we'll never love again after this. This is our last time to it's love. Done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. It's been a. It's been a roller coaster of a series, mm-hmm. to say the least. I did not know we were gonna go to the places that we did. It was oh, yeah. an adventure. I feel like that happens more often than not. Yeah, we're like, us. this is what this is gonna be, and then we get there, and we're like, well, this is not what that is. Yeah. But now it's this, so that's cool, I guess. Yeah. It's we great. don't get paid to do this podcast. We have no sponsors. None of that. I mean, if you are one hi how's it going but uh we don't have that so we do this because we enjoy it and Mm -hmm. i will say i'm really enjoying the challenges that we've come upon oh yeah this has been i think my favorite series yeah like i did very much enjoy new year new me but this has been significantly the most enjoyable because i felt the most yeah like a vampire young and in love yeah i uh really have felt a lot of emotions about this series yeah i think we have evolved we are different we are transformed yeah like monsters. Like that, and then also New Year knew us. Yeah. They all come full circle. Look at yeah. me now. I hope you're enjoying it. And today we are talking, because we're, we're ending it out. The so last week we were talking about vampires and how they are like this epitome of love for monsters, right? Yeah. But there are other monsters to love. Mm-hmm. Or there are other instances where someone you love has become a monster. So we're talking yeah. about loving monsters. And like uh, like this series, sometimes in life, when, when you least expect, expect it, it, love, love happens. happens. And sometimes, even more unexpectedly, that person is a monster. Yeah. But love still happens. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's totally cool. Or you're like, whoa, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll just see how this goes. This is weird. Convenient, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're talking about love and loving against all odds. Even when those odds are that the forest killed, impregnated, changed her wife, and now she's like gross and stuff. Or this chick you knew for like five days is a Lovecraftian 2,000-year-old murder squid person. But you're totally about it. Yeah. Love happens. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, I what I find interesting about the topic of like loving monsters is a lot of times we get comedies because this yeah. idea of loving someone even though they're like monstrous does come become comedic. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking something like Warm Bodies or the end of Shaun of the Dead where he keeps his friend around even though he's a zombie or the Santa Clarita Diet, which we'll touch upon a little bit, yeah. you like it, it becomes a safe space to talk about those things in a mm-hmm. mundane way. Yeah. Whereas with horror, it's always so extreme and so intense that it's hard to approach it the right way. Mm-hmm. So it does tend to lean more towards being funny. Well, because it's usually kind of, like, absurd in its own right. Yeah. But I guess you also, like, have that whole line between quirky fun monster who's got a lot of weird stuff going on, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. And, like, the person who I've loved forever, (laughs) the love of my life, is now dead. And I don't know how to deal with that. So I love this now. Yeah. 
And it's real sad and upsetting. Because, mm-hmm. like, my wife, though, or my husband, or, like, the my person wife. I was about, you know, they're gone, and I really was there. Yeah. So that's the sad, scary one. Yeah. Then you got the happy, fun times. My my horrible thing is quirky and cool, and, like, yeah. look at me be all weird. It's a metaphor for something that we're not going to talk about. Yeah. It's too uncomfortable, but it's okay that you eat people. It's fine. I love you, babe. It's really good. Yeah, I think... I said forever. <laughs> so <laughs> so death do its part, and if you're undead, I guess it still counts. Because you can't control it. Love just, you know, happens. happens. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what is fun about it, is that we're taking, like... There is a way to make falling in love with a monster or loving a, someone who's become a monster something serious mm-hmm. and use it to talk about some really serious things. Yeah. But it's also because of the fact that that's happening, it makes it a little quirky. It does make it a little, like, interesting, you know, like, kind of relatable in the fact that, like, most of us experience some level of otherness and being an outsider. And that this, these notions that, you know, if even a monster can find love and be loved, kind of instill some hope. So, like, I could find love and be loved. Or you could find love and be loved. What? Um, yeah, so it's we're going to explore what happens when you fall in love with a monster and also what happens if someone you love has become a monster. Yeah. How do you deal? So I'm going to tell you about fall in love with monsters because there's a lot of history, Good. especially in film with monsters in love and it's evolved. And I would like to say that currently we're at a place where we can look at media and understand that it's trying to say something. And even if people didn't know that they were saying something previously, they were because that's just what happens when you create things and you live and exist in a time. You know, like you're going to be impacted by the world around you and you're going to create literature and film that is a representation of the world that you live in. Yeah. I mean, I honestly very much appreciate the people who like own up to the fact that they weren't trying to do that. And they're just like, oh, that's really cool. And so the people were like, no, yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) Look how profound and great I am. Diablo Cody. Where they're like, oops, I totally wasn't trying to do that. But that's so cool that like these people got all that really interesting and like depth to this thing that I made because I wanted to make it and I love what I'm doing. Whoa. <laughs> Anna Lilia Moore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about when you fall in love with a monster and the fact that these this means something. So monsters in horror tend to serve as the other or even in films they are an other mm-hmm. right they're the representation of an alluring strange person who promises excitement danger and confusing emotions. Uh, traditionally, the tale of someone who falls in love with a monster is usually represented by a woman who mm-hmm. is gentle and kind as women are wont to be, and they're there to tame the wild beast with her heart and her ability to love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you see, like, King Kong or Be- Beauty and the Beast, you're getting the transformative power of empathy, which is as told by Maria Tar- Tartar, who explains the importance of learning empathy and humanity in fairy tales, yeah. And you have to have this, like, pure, wholesome, good human woman to teach a monster that. Yeah. I mean, I just really like the idea of empathy having so much power. I don't know if I love it always in, like, the way that it's done or, like... Yeah. Or whatever, but, like, empathy is just such a great thing that needs to be yeah. taught to children and just everybody. Because then you maybe wouldn't hate your neighbor for being black. Or, like, you know, yeah. like, hatred in general comes from, like, a lack of understanding and... Mm-hmm lack of empathy and not be able to see the side or perspective of somebody else. And it's so important. Yeah. We fear what we don't know. And when you can't allow yourself to know and to put yourself into the shoes of another, that's when you have that fear and when you lash out. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a protagonist who is capable of doing that. Yeah. Which is uh, in literature and in history with film generally is like a young white woman. Mm-hmm. usually because she's supposed to be like the epitome of pure like life and love um we see in uh we see in cinema 
how the woman is usually intrigued by the monster and knows that there is good beneath like this monstrous exterior. This is also why we have so many vampire romance novels with women staying despite their lovers telling them repeatedly of how dangerous they are. We can change them. <laughs> kind of you can it. change them, guys. That's what it's saying. Everyone go out and change the world. Change the monster. Like, this is what essentially monster films were saying before. If, if, a, if a woman was falling in love with a monster, it was with the intent of fixing them and changing them back to a human. Yeah. Whereas now we're getting films that are showing people loving a monster and they stay the monster because all along they were different and that's okay. Yeah, like they aren't actually a monster. Lots of people see them as that way, but now there's a sense of empathy and understanding that like, no, like they're still beautiful Yeah, the way that they are. And I see that and I'm in love now and it's great. Yeah. Look at me I understand other things that are not like everything I saw growing up. Yeah. Cool. Well, but like back in the day when you had these films, you would have these women who are soft and nourishing and their yeah. purity juxtaposed the brutality of these beasts. Their purpose was to tame them. And historically in cinema, this has always been a loose rate, like loose metaphor for like racism or mm -hmm. homophobia or just like a misunderstanding with a, another being, someone who is different from you. Right. It's essentially xenophobia in some way. Mm hmm. And, um, like when you think about like creature from the black lagoon or again, King Kong, we have usually white women who are captured by these beasts. Um, one of which is a beast from Africa. So already <laughs> just yeah. think about it. Um, but then they have to be rescued by these brave white men. Who right. aren't really that brave, who are just kind of, like, violent and terrible and, like, blowing stuff up that they shouldn't be doing. Stuff exactly, yeah. Kidnapping thing. You know, it's just a bad time. Yeah. Like, you kind of have, like, a veiled birth of a nation reimagining mm -hmm. with that, where we just swap out blackface for a giant gorilla or a scaly creature that lives in the water that you shouldn't be in. Again, you're in areas that you probably shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but now we've kind of stepped away from that narrative and are now allowing people to fall in love with monsters. And it doesn't have to be, um, to fix them. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be to fix them. You just love them for who they are. And when you're keeping, what I think is unique is that we're keeping the same idea that we are using the, the monster to represent the other. We're still using the monster to represent like a different race or the LGBTQ community or possibly like the disabled community. Like it's used to represent another, like someone who mm -hmm. feels like an outsider, but instead of the narrative, like we're fixing you is that we're loving you. Mm -hmm. for it's who like you are the idea that like you also have that in your soul that like you don't feel love or you don't feel like you're being accepted or all that fun stuff and that like that's like the base human need is to like feel loved and be loved and have it not be like an issue like, you gotta change for it mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to change the person you're with you should not have to fix them yeah and usually the protagonists in these new films generally again are women and it's because instead of it being that we're pure and we can like understand because we're open with our emotions it's it's that women can understand and empathize with the fact of being an other and being yeah. an outcast and being misunderstood and taken advantage of because historically that's just what's happening <laughs> exactly we and, used to not be people <laughs> yeah um we because we we can empathize with these outcasts because we are also outcasts ourselves we are capable mm -hmm. of empathy due to our openness with emotions and we can love someone for who they are inside because we have the power to look past what people look like or what mm -hmm. monsters look like. So when you take something like Shape of Water, contrasted against Creature from the Black Lagoon, Creature from the Black Lagoon was like, oh no, there's this monster that's taking women away, right? Uh -huh. In Shape of Water, we have a woman who's falling in love with a monster because she also is someone who can relate to that. She mm -hmm. falls in love with the creature because she understands his otherness. She is mute and uh -huh. has felt like an outcast her entire life. There's a quote in there that's really beautiful where she signs to her friend, um, when he looks at me, he doesn't see how I am incomplete. 
So beautiful. <laughs> it really is, right? And it's because he he just sees her because he's different. He doesn't know what people are all supposed to look like. He's seen three people, maybe. One is the actual monster of the story, which is the white man who's like abusing him, mm-hmm. right? And then he sees her and she's kind and she's beautiful and she brings him eggs and she takes care of him and they have this connection. And later you find out that she really is other. She is very different. But just on like the basis of the fact that she has been discriminated against. So you have someone who is differently abled, who has been treated as such, now identifying with someone who is also like cast aside and seen as different. Yeah. Yeah. So when women fall in love with monsters, they are falling in love essentially with a mirror, right? A reflection they see of themselves, which is a monster as well. They're misunderstood and alone. And one of my favorite quotes from Juno Diaz compares our being the Latinx community's mm-hmm. lack of representation on the screen as having ingrained in us a feeling of otherness, uh, that we're out of the norm and that we are a monster. Yeah, because you don't see a lot in films and stuff like that, so it's like the perception of what is beautiful is not what you're seeing, so there's just like that natural, like, where are we? Yeah. Where are we? Where's me? <laughs> yeah, so it, this is his quote, which I think is one of the best quotes ever. He says, you guys know about vampires. You know, vampires have no reflections in a mirror. There's this idea that monsters don't have reflections in a mirror, and what I've always thought isn't that monsters don't have reflections in a mirror. It's that if you want to make a human being into a monster, deny them at the cultural level any reflection of themselves. And growing up, I felt like a monster in some ways. I didn't see myself reflected at all. I was like, yo, is this something wrong with me? That the whole society seems to think that people like me don't exist? And part of what inspired me was this deep desire that before I died, I would make a couple of mirrors. That I would make some mirrors so that kids like me might see themselves reflected back it might not feel so monstrous for it. Which is a very beautiful quote. Yeah, and it's one of the quotes that, like, me personally, that has spoken to me as a creator of media that, like, made me, like, understand why I always kind of felt like another. Like, because when you grow up with that lens of, like, not seeing yourself represented on a screen, you do feel kind of like a monster. Like, what is wrong with me that I can't be the heroine of the story that I can't be the romantic interest that I have to be the quirky spicy Latina friend who is just there to support our main character on a journey so when you have that otherness and then you're confronted with someone who's very very blatantly another there's going to be an understanding there and that understanding allows you to love them without any of like the weirdness of wanting to change them because you know what it means to to also want to be loved for who you are like it it might be a world that's like always trying to change you exactly (laughs) so it takes this very very simplistic idea of um i just want to be loved for who i am which is just a person of a different color than is seen as the big beauty of the world and puts it on this bigger scale of like but what if i had scales Like, I also want to be loved if I have scales. So today we're going to explore two films in which the men are confronted by monsters and how they cope is very interesting. Because oh, for sure. It's different, but it's it's cool. Yeah, it's very different. It's, yeah. it's interesting in that in order to shape a narrative around the monster love stories, we kind of need to reverse the gender normatives for these white men. Because both of our protagonists are white men in this. Yeah. And we find that in both films... We're going to talk about how they're shown to be a little more feminine in their like demeanors and like the actions that they take, their personalities, which allow them to properly appreciate the women in the story. Yeah, they are more empathetic because of these factors. Yeah, to but and it's it's life. kind of sad that they have to like we have yeah. to change them because they can't be a traditional like male protagonist. Well, you can't have a brutish Gaston like. Beauty and the Beast time. Yeah. You have to have, like, a more sensitive, more... I, I'm i not going out hunting and killing all these big things and the talk of the town. I'm this, like, nice, sensitive guy who's, like, here and he's... Yeah. I don't know how to fish, but, like, I'm going to try because I love you. Yeah. He's, yeah. like, the... Like, when you're even thinking about um, the, the main character guy from Corpse Bride, right? Uh-huh. Like, he's, like, this, like, squirrely little kind of shell of a man and because of that he's able to fall in love with a literal corpse right if he was like the big burly man who's like super handsome and can get whatever he wants there's no way he would be put into the predicament of being able to fall in love with a corpse bride so we have to like take them away and put them in a position and make them a person that is susceptible to feeling otherness and to feel society doesn't let the big burly strong man have emotions yeah you're not allowed you're not allowed you have to be like a little feminine to do it or just a little different so by making them that way they can now see these women for who they are and fight for them because they've opened themselves to it yeah 
which in which is interesting, you know, that we we have these films that traditionally had women as as the protagonist, uh-huh. and to see how we have to kind of change it for, for a male to be a uh-huh. protagonist is kind of cool, um, but also a little sad, and just speaks to the fact that toxic masculinity in the world is affecting us in that way. But it's, it's just like, really interesting. Because yeah. <laughs> you have the whole falling in love with somebody who's already a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of layers there. And I think it's somewhat easier to fall in love with somebody who is already a monster because that's a part of their personality. You're meeting them and you're like, oh, you're pretty cool, but I'm not engraved in like who you are yet. Yeah. And then as you're getting to know them, you find out like, oh, fun fact. I have a bunch of tentacles that sometimes come out if I don't take my medicine that is uh, blood of babies or animals or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I get a little weird. Call yeah. it hangry, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of who they are. So you're like, you're getting to know them and that's already your perception and yeah. understanding of That's who just they are. another part that you're learning. It's like, oh, I'm allergic to peanuts and also I turn into a tentacle beast at night. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to take those two, compartmentalize those things, yeah. and I'm going to love you because I know that's who you are. Yeah, it's already the understanding. You're not getting thrown off after years of loving somebody and thinking you know who they are and then them suddenly being something different. Mm-hmm. Where what we'll see um, with uh, Honeymoon yeah. um, is the you're not falling in love with a monster. You were in love already, and now the person you loved has transformed. Mm-hmm. Think like... Uh... I married a monster from outer space. I was going to talk literally about that. that. Okay. Oh my god, you're so smart. Look at me. This is my best friend. <laughs> so it's just a lot harder because there's this sense and idea that that person that you did love was taken from you. Yeah. That it's not you're introduced and you're falling in love with somebody who's already a monster. The person you've loved and known is gone. Mm-hmm. So there's this sense of mourning and grieving and it just makes it a lot harder to accept. Or, like, the acceptance is some sort of, like, denial in the sense that, like, you can't let go of who that person was. So we see in Santa Clarita Diet, it's, like, a more fun version of that, but you have this sense of, like, her personality's still kind of there, and she's kind of doing all this really messed up stuff, but it's quirky and weird, but also, like, I love her, and... I have to, I'm just going to accept it. Like, I'm just going to, we're not going to talk about it so much when it's happening, but like, this is the person I chose to spend my life with and it's weird, but okay. Yeah. We're working through it. Cause we're she gonna... like gets more confidence in Santa Clarita diet. Like she always had the, essentially the monster in her was just a repressed monster. Mm-hmm. And now she's let, now she has an excuse to let it out by Impulses being a monster. Are just going. Yeah. yeah. She definitely talks about impulse control a lot. Yeah, it's like if you were a vampire, but you still went home to your family. Yeah. Like, you're always like, you can't do that. They're not going to accept you. It's like, no, you just still go home to your yeah, family. Yeah, what if they did? Chill. Like, this is what happens when they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay. I'm going to stay. My family's broken, but it's still good. <gasps> they stay. Yeah. Stay. So um, you see kind of like, it's the idea that what the person's going through, you're helping them through it, like an illness or a rough period or some sort of like change in personality that's triggered by something with the hope and expectation that through doing that you'll be able to bring that person back or that who they were still exists in some way so you can deal with the other stuff Mm -hmm. like you're okay with it because you still have that connection so it's like if you're having a midlife crisis you're buying Mm -hmm. all these new cars you're going a little crazy you dyed your hair you shaved your head i don't know but you're still for it you're like, the person I love is still in there. It's totally fine. I'm going to just put that in my pocket. We're going to walk through. We're going to live. Or, like, they lost a loved one or, like, a child. And you just have to, like, you're really tough. But they're still there. Yeah. Love them. Medical illness, accident, like, that kind of stuff. Stuff that's out of their control but that has happened. Yes. That's inevitably going to change you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you adapt. It's an adaptive kind of love. And it's kind of beautiful in that way where it's like, yes, they are something different, but they're still them. And it's totally cool. Um, but then you get the little less adaptable version of that where um, the reason that you're still there is because it's like, oh, this is crazy. I can't really accept it. I have not gone through my five or however many stages of grief that there are. Um, and that like, this is just the reality. And it's I, I can't really cope with it. I can't deal with the loss of this person, so I'm going to stay. I'm not going to act like this is real. So you have like the denial trying to mimic your old life while your wife is tied to the washing machine because she ate your neighbor and you're, she's not person anymore. She's just rabid and crazy, and but you can't get rid of them. 
Or like yeah. if your daughter turned into a zombie and you kept your daughter in a room and you fed her your neighbors or people that passerbys because yeah. you love your daughter and you just can't accept that she's gone. You can't kill the zombie. So you're in denial and you're just like, all right, this is love. It's totally fine, guys. Like it's different. Yeah. But we're not going anywhere. Or you'd think that like you have a second chance too. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you would have, so if you're supposed to be going through those stages of grief, but instead it's, it's almost like a, a weird, like coping with, it's just denial. Like you're just stuck in denial. Yeah. You still have dinner with yeah. the wife that's tied up. You're just like, it's okay. Here's your human. Yeah. That's not I'm okay. going to eat my chicken nuggets. It's totally fine. Like everything's fine. Yeah. You can't heal because you're not able to actually let go. You're yeah. stuck in that one part. So you're like grieving the loss, but you can't get past the because they're still there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's, I guess, the idea that the transformation is not their fault. And maybe you failed them in some way and this is your chance for redemption. So like it's a fresh start. Like maybe you weren't there for your daughter and that's why she got bit by that zombie. And now you have to protect the zombie version of your child because mm-hmm. you have to make up for all that time that you weren't there. Yeah. It's your fault. So you have to. Um, or that you get the fun version, which is I married a monster from outer space mm-hmm. um, where you didn't really know them that well to start with. So like, this is the reality of who you're with now. Mm-hmm. Guess that's what we're doing. And it takes you a little too long to notice that they're different. Because you didn't know who they were to begin with. Yeah. That's how much you did not know them. And it's like hard because it's like, how well do you know the person that you're with? That says that stress of like, do you really know who you're married to? Yeah. It's like the button. Or who's in your bed. Or button, button. It's like, do you really know your husband? It's like, okay, hold on. Probably. If we got married a hundred years ago, I don't know. (laughs) Because it was probably not my choice. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I'm just here now, but hopefully he's not an alien who's trying to... (laughs) But then also what's funny about that movie is that like she had no empathy for the situation. Mm Mm-hmm. It was like the reverse. Like, you're saying he's a monster, but you don't care at all. You want him dead. You want your old husband who you didn't really know any way back. Yeah. For and some that's reason. a different kind of loving monster or just like monster human romance is that Mars needs to repopulate trope, which happens in, in quite a few different films and media. Yeah, you know, got the alien pregnancy thing going <laughs> Yeah. Nah, son. It's just a lot more different when it's love of your life has been stolen from you. Do you stay or not? Do you stay or should you go now? And I think, honestly, the way it goes is if that person still is kind of them. Yeah. Yeah. If they're a mindless beast person who has no semblance of who they once were, and they're murdering and doing bad stuff all the time, and they don't actually care about you anymore, probably not. Mm -hmm. But if they, like, still care about you and want you around, and they're just kind of, like, different and weird now, probably yeah. (laughs) That's where I'm at. Love in the time of monsters. Yeah. Yeah. So we watch some things as we are want to do. Yeah. Yeah. We watched... Their eyes. Yeah. Watch them. <laughs> so we watched Spring. Which was great. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And we watched Honeymoon. Spring, I felt like, made me feel the same way I felt about Only Lovers Left Alive, where I was yeah. like, oh, okay, this is going to be whatever. And then I really, really loved it. It was beautiful. Yeah, because it was like cute but creepy but also like oh it was pretty sweet love happens guys when you least expect it like really quick too yeah five days yeah (laughs) uh so we watched spring so spring is about a young man in a personal tailspin who flees from the u.s to italy where he sparks up a romance with a woman harboring a dark primordial secret and this is directed by justin benson and aaron moorhead who have done other kind of interesting horror films yeah where it's more cerebral in the horror aspect like it's more like thought-provoking and less like look at this gross stuff like and there's gross stuff in here <laughs> yeah but it, it's still like that still seems kind of passive like it just seems like just a, like, a necessary part and love and yeah. like i've been alive for two thousand years yeah yeah. Like, yeah. so what I found Spring to be, it's essentially the film before Sunrise, 
but with a Lovecraftian monster in it. Which we're just totally for. Yeah. The tagline for it is, love is a monster, which I thought was really cute. And it, it is. Cute. is. If you're in it, it's a monster. Yeah, it's it's just like before sunrise in that like you have this like American guy and over like a very short time period, love is established with this like alluring woman from another country. When you're looking at that, it's just kind of like cute. And then there's this whole other like crazy like science aspect to it. Which is very like, cool. Whoa, what's happening to her legs? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I don't know about this. It's weird. It's super weird. It starts really subtle of just like Oh, her eye looks weird. Oh, her skin's a little scaly. Oh, this is... And she's, like, injecting herself with stuff, and you're like, what's happening? Um, she's probably fine. It's really cool. Yeah, guys. there's lots of spoilers this episode, okay. Um, I do recommend watching it. You definitely should. And oh, even yeah, if you good. know, because, like, I knew she was a monster, because if you read anything about it, it's like, she's a monster. Um, <laughs> but it's still so nice. It's so fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. It's really sweet. It's just like, why are you so about me, guy? Like... This yeah. is probably not a good time. We've known you for like five days, but like you love me. That's cool. Exactly. Like, and that's one of the things too is like, spoilers. So she is a, I don't know, is it centuries? Yeah, yeah. Because it was um, she was there for two thousand years. Yeah, so two thousand years. So. Yeah. So she is two thousand years old, and she is immortal. Because she, every 20 years, which is not a long time to have to do this. That's really really annoying. Uh, Every 20 years, she essentially gets knocked up and then uh, gives birth to herself. Mixed with with whoever whoever she is. Yeah, because that's what babies are. Uh, So she's essentially like her, yeah, she's like her great, 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 great own daughter. It's weird. Um, I'll let you just like sit in that for a minute. So she... The thing is, if she doesn't give birth to herself, she can stay the version that she is now, but that means she gives up her immortality. So there's this part where, and it's that cliche of like, if she experiences love and they put this whole science aspect to it, which was kind of cute, but the just, the gist of it is that if she falls in love, then she can stay who she is. And then she's giving up her immortality. And at one point she's, she says to him, she's like, I'm not going to give up immortality for a guy I met a few days ago. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so real. But uh, again, this is before sunrise. So we, in that short amount of time of like a week, do find love. Which is super cool. Um, when you least expect it, it just happens. It does, especially in this. So Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who are the directors of this, claim they wrote the film as a counterpoint to Anne Rice's The Vampire Chronicles, which is Interview with a Vampire, and that it's about a creature who actually enjoys its strange condition. So yeah. unlike the brooding vampires that are loathsome and hate themselves, uh, and even unlike Adam, who I guess he didn't hate himself, but he just hated being alive forever. Yeah. Right? We have a, a monster who is appreciative of what they are in, to some degree and also intrigued. Like, she wants to learn. Yeah, she wants to, like, know why. Like, it's not so much... She was saying even about vampires, it's like... They thought people were vampires because of this, like, medical condition that they later were able to figure out what it was. So she was, like, hoping to eventually figure out what she was and why. Yeah. And, like, in the 2,000 years that she had existed, that she had not been given that opportunity yet. Yeah, and she's just waiting, which is I think is really cool. Like, they took this very supernatural thing, and she's making it... She's trying to justify it with, like, pseudoscience. Yeah. Like, uh, evolution and stuff. And it's... Yeah, it's super interesting. And the fact that she's, like understanding that the world develops at this one pace and that she's just willing to like wait it out and find out yeah and knows that like the world is going to change and the knowledge will come it's just a matter of time which is super cool yeah it's like the inevitability of like self-acceptance and understanding yeah which is nice yeah usually everyone hopes usually in these stories we have a boy who's a beast but in this one we're given a female beast who's trying to solve her own life Evan pursues her, and in the beginning of their relationship, Louise attempts to bring him home for a nameless one-night stand. Mm -hmm. But Evan refuses this, and said he wants something more, which is like, this is where we have that swap. Yeah, we're like, like, that's not masculine. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it can be. Yeah, and it's even just different from the falling in love with a monster trope, too. Mm -hmm. But it's like, he... Like, approaches her at the bar, and she's like, come home with me. And he's just like, no, you might be a stalker. You might kill me. Like, he is aware of, like, danger. Which, again, men feel like they're invincible, and there's no way that anything can hurt them. 
So you're saying I could have sex this one time and you're not like, I'm not even going to think that murder could happen. I'm yeah, just going to go. I'm just thinking sex. Yeah. And in this, it's, a, it's so, it's funny that he is like, no, I don't want that. Yeah. And, um, then she's eventually. Like, I'm intrigued. Yeah. And then you she's pursued. Which is cool. Yeah. It was nice. They had a cool, cute little like meet cutes and like. Mm-hmm. Doing stuff is like, oh, yeah, really I like care. Even they're like, why do you care? But like, it's kind of nice. Something. Yeah. And as far as like horror movies go, it's horror in that there's some really graphic, gross things happening because she's like a she's like an animal in ways. Yeah. But it really wasn't like scary in a traditional sense of like it spooked you. Yeah, there was like one or two seconds where it's like, ooh, but then it was like totally fine again. <laughs> yeah. Like, All right, cool. Like we cool. There's definitely some violence. Um, a penis is eaten off of a body. Oh yeah, but it you don't see happen. that. You see after the fact. Yeah, and it's like this gross, 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 gross man. Yeah. <laughs> who's like trying Who to assault it. this woman who seems totally not okay. Yeah, of course, and he's American, of course. I think another thing about it was that, like only lovers left alive, you have these supernatural elements, but it really is just like a catalyst, and the. It just gives us the opportunity to talk about bigger things. Yeah. And it's not just like, I'm a vampire, let's talk about vampires. And in this, it's like, I'm a monster, let's talk about monsters. It's like, let's talk about science. Let's talk about evolution. Let's talk about what love is. It's a chemical. Something worth dying for. Yeah. And then even like kind of talks about like the beauty of being mortal as well. So like in his ability, is his attempt to keep her... Uh, as who she is and with him, essentially giving up her mentality to be with him. Because um, he tells her, like, I think you could be the love of my life. And it's like, okay, you think. And he's yeah. like, why aren't you in love with me after a day? And there's <laughs> really, all this... like, talks about, like, what's nice about being mortal. Yeah. And, like, the appreciation you have for life from that is, like, yeah. you and could that, die. It's beautiful. It makes things more meaningful. Yeah. It's not just another mundane day. Yeah. Because you don't have forever. You have to make it count. Yeah. Every second. One of the quotes I really enjoyed was that he says, every cold makes you appreciate every moment you are well, which is like, when you think about it in a broader sense, even it's like every time you experience something really sad and tragic, it also allows you to appreciate the times when you were not sad and there was not tragedy, right? You can better appreciate that because your life is so like small. Right? Yeah. Where if you have, like, forever, everything becomes kind of meaningless, and nothing holds as much strength and, like, impact to you. Yeah, you can just do whatever you want. You can love everybody. You can have sex, eat food. It doesn't matter. You just can be go. a vampire. Yeah, mortality essentially gives us a purpose. Where it is kind of more beautiful that, like, it's not forever. Everything kind of does mean more. You're here. Yeah, and when Whoa. you think about it, love kind of means more when you're mortal because you only have this amount of time. And if you decide to choose to live with one person for the rest of you your very small them. life, yeah, that yeah. means something. That means something more than if you're like, I'm going to live forever. Let's get married for a little bit. Like, you know, it's yeah. like, I only have this amount of time. And, I and I'm, I'm wasting this. it on you, I essentially. <laughs> like, I am spending it, it all on you. Isn't all of just time all wasted? Yes, exactly. That's a song I wrote when I was, like, 17. I wrote those lyrics Because <laughs> you were a little like vampire. 17. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all just consider time all wasted? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully you're not a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, spring <laughs> is great. I definitely recommend it. Highly recommend it. I want you to watch it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if we... Do we recommend the next one? I don't know. We'll get there. Um, but we did watch another movie, Honeymoon, uh, also from 2014. A newlywed couple finds their late country honeymoon descend into chaos after Paul finds B wandering and disoriented in the middle of the night within the forest. Yeah. So essentially you have people who know each other and have fallen deeply in love and are totally about it, transformed into like this very horrific... What has happened to my wife? I loved her. I knew her. We had this life together, and now she is hell of who she once was. Yeah. And it's really sad because it's like we had this really wonderful relationship. We got married. There was like a purpose, and like aliens happened. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Aliens happened, and instead of love happening, aliens happened, and a bunch of awful stuff. And now my wife's all different and acting all weird, and I'm really upset about it. Yes. It's very hard to accept this version of love. Like, he has this whole crisis where he's like, you smell like her, you taste like her, you have her toes, but you're not 
the woman I love. You're not her. Where is she? I'm upset. Yeah, like this like, isn't the person that I married. Yeah. Who is it? It was like five days ago. Yeah. <laughs> I married you. We were totally cool. Yeah. What happened, man? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of theories. Yeah. Um, that the director said, or writers was like, no, nah, that's not what it was about. But It was about aliens. It was just about aliens. But again, you don't always know what you're saying sometimes. Yeah. And so it definitely is like a married monster from outer space where we get to explore the allegory of the rude support prizes in store for people who think they know each other before joining hands in marriage. Yeah. You think you know your wife. Do you? Do you know your husband? Or is he an alien? It's like, no, they're both human, but then bad stuff happens. Yeah. And yeah. just like in Evan in spring, we have to change our male protagonist's so that he can be susceptible to the situation. And so Paul is like constantly emasculated by B in it. Mm-hmm. She knows how to fish. She's killed things with her own hands, like fish. Um, <laughs> she teases him about being afraid of things. And it's, it's a really interesting change in dynamic. And honestly, it makes B's transformation um, into a fragile woman later that much more drastic. Or like you really notice yeah. how different she is when it's like the woman I loved who was strong and like, she's like stabbing herself and like not knowing who you are. You don't want to make French toast. Yeah. Where's my, where's the coffee? You don't have, you said you make coffee. I don't understand. Yeah. I have to take care of you and help you and save you. And what? Yeah, she she went from being someone who was very confident, who essentially, like, she had the hold of the relationship. Like, she chose this location. She wanted, like, he says, you wanted to get married, right? Like, yeah. she wanted the wedding. She, like, she essentially has, like, a lot of the control in the relationship and is very assertive. And to go from that to being someone who's very unsure. And, like, and insecure. And, yeah. like, scared. And paranoid. Like, constantly wanting to please him and like make him happy which was like because she's trying to pull up this illusion that she's okay but it's it was more than that too it was like she had totally changed into this like different woman i mean it's it's interesting because it happened so soon after they're married yeah like that's a statement in and of itself of like do, do you really know a person yeah there's like this dower is like i he thinks he so knows who she is and is so thrown off and like troubled by this and then she's like i know you right like this is what our life was i loved you yeah Yeah. i wanted to get married like yeah terrified of like this reality that she's in but there's so many theories of why this is the way it is so i know that there's one that she's pregnant that's one the one that i'm gonna talk about though which is my times is one that is like she was pregnant but then had an abortion, but then died during that. Like it was like a self-inflicted abortion that like got infected and she died before they actually had their wedding. So uh, a theory on Reddit essentially says that this all happened right before they were about to go on their honeymoon and she died because she got pregnant and they weren't ready to have kids. And she essentially tried to like at home abort the baby without telling him what this is saying that the reason she got so sick is because like she was like infected recovering from the recovering and infected but then in this case dies before they go on their honeymoon um and then he's going on their honeymoon to like pretend that everything's going to be okay and that she's still still there yeah but then he kills himself because he can't live with the reality of what happened yeah and that's him drowning himself in the lake yeah. I'm saying that's not what happened, but that's a theory that exists. Yeah. And there's also the theory that, like, just the idea of her getting pregnant is also a kind of representation. Because, like, their first, like, disagreement that they have in the film is when um, in the morning he says, like, you need to rest your womb. And she's like, such uh, a weird thing to say. Yeah, she's like, why? I get we're married, but like, we don't got our kids right away. That's weird. Chill yeah. Out. And he's like, oh, it's because of like how great the sex was and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's not the part of me that you had sex with. One. Two, <laughs> uh, no. And she's like, I'm not ready to have kids and all this stuff. And the thing is, like, with pregnancy and with him referring to it so soon, is kind of like she loses her autonomy. 
in mm-hmm. a way when you become like it, essentially you're just like you married me just so we can have kids yeah like, that's my role that's yeah that's my role in this i'm no longer a person and that's the first time we really see like a diminished b yeah. Right? That's the only time we see her insecure and uncomfortable. And this is like pre-incident, so that's like yeah. a big deal where you're just like, ugh, why? Yeah. So then if she is pregnant, right, she's losing herself. She transforms. She changes. And it could even kind of be like just a form of depression that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his whole theory initially, like when she comes back from the woods, is that like she was raped by this old family friend. Mm-hmm. And that's why like... He's still like, I love you. Like, I'm trying to help, but you have to let me help you. Like, we have to go to the hospital. Like, clearly something bad happened. Just tell me what happened. Like, it'll be okay. You can tell me and we'll be okay. And she's like, I can't tell you. I don't remember what happened. I'm traumatized. Something, I don't know. I'm fine. I'm fine. Stop telling me I'm not fine. Yeah. And And she's definitely, like, suffering from some, like, PTSD symptoms. Yeah. For sure. Like, I don't think she was intentionally trying to mislead him at all. I think she just, like, couldn't accept or grasp what had happened to her it was just so traumatizing that like if this was like an or like a metaphor for rape that like it was so awful that she she's not ready to talk about it and like stop making her have to talk about it right away yeah it's kind of like where she's at yeah or like give me time like i will talk to you about it but i can't right now yeah he definitely isn't letting her like work through her own stuff and mm-hmm. he confronts her a lot and if she was raped and then therefore was pregnant too from that her like forcibly trying to abort have an abortion like in the bathroom at some point also could be related to that and her being like get it out of me like that there's there's a lot of heavy things that are happening in there that can't just be just because well even though that's what they said it was i'm telling you you're wrong yourself again just like contracted you're saying things even when you don't know you're saying things don't put an alien tree root like being inside a woman's vagina if it's not going to mean something. Stop putting stuff in ladies' parts and saying it doesn't mean something. Directors. Well, the lady director specifically said that like she wasn't trying to say it, but like she's okay. I think that yeah. that's how people took it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that uh, she was really influenced by uh, Polanski and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But Polanski's in the sense of Rosemary's Baby, where it's like the devil impregnated her. Mm-hmm. In this case, aliens impregnated her, and that's just what's happening. Yeah. So aliens didn't impregnate her. It was not consensual. She was raped in the woods and given alien babies. Yeah. And it's very upsetting. And she doesn't know how to cope with that. Yeah. And that they're going to take her because now they're hers. They're theirs. Yeah. Um, and similar to Rosemary's baby, that that's like the devil's now the baby's now. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's about. Trying to be real transparent. And then like everyone like saying that it's other stuff. Mm-hmm. Metaphors. She's like, no, it's aliens, guys. Yeah, it is aliens, but aliens are a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Aliens are always a metaphor. Yeah. There's not real, like, what What are aliens doing then? What's the point? It's a metaphor. When she <laughs> says, something bad happened to me in the woods, one, it's the, the most impactful statement she says. She says it twice. One, she says it weird. She says it like a little child. She's finally confronting him and, like, telling him what happened to her. She's finally coming like clean about her situation. Something bad happened to me in the woods. And then she explains essentially that she was raped in there. She was brought out there. She was taken advantage of. She was hurt. And now she is broken. She is different. And there's that's something essentially inside of her. It's, yeah. Ugh. She and the thing is like okay, if you're if you're taking the analogy of rape, right? In the whole form of like the ejaculation it's now inside of her and she's forever changed then you take the whole idea that she has that thing and it's like no matter what she does it's in there Mm -hmm. she's different now she's become this monster and it's this thing that like he won't ever understand her and he'll never be able to like accept it and help her through it really because he's not really accepting that it happened that way yeah like she's trying to explain like no i'm different like i'm not like you keep saying i'm not b and it's like that's true i'm not yeah and that's okay i'm not b because when you because when you encounter something like that if you go through something traumatic like that that causes you to have ptsd if you have the loss of a child if you are raped if you like something like if there's a accident something like that happens and you're transformed into another person because of the circumstances it's like do you still love that person 
Yeah. They're not going to go back to being who they were. And the problem comes from you trying to do that. Yeah, and that's just his whole thing. It's like he just couldn't accept. Like he knew something happened and he wanted to help her through it, but like he couldn't accept the reality that the person that he's trying to help through it is no longer yeah. the same. He's like, I just need to help you get better. And it's like, you're not always going to get fully better. You're just going to get different. And yeah. That's just what's... You can't go back to who you were. Yeah. Once you've passed that threshold, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like when you're thinking about the the story Annihilation in the film mm -hmm. is like, that's just this big metaphor for the fact that people change irreparably. Things happen to you, you change, you become a different person. And it's like confronting who you are on the other side. Yeah. And he's like looking at her on the other side, something bad happened to her in the woods. And he's like, give me back my person. And she can't. Yeah. So the only way out of that is for him to die. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Like, if he had accepted that, like, and believed her when she said, the aliens are coming, did stuff to me, I'm not me anymore, I'm different, I can't be with you, I want to protect you, he could leave. He could have well, left I think, her. Like, yeah, part of it is the way that it's presented to him, though, in a lot of ways, is that she's not her. But, yeah. like, that we don't remember that there's something outside of her that's taken over her. I think yeah. that's, like, the part that he has, like, the hardest part grasping. It's not that she's just different. Yeah. It's that, like, this is an imposter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Yeah, that's it gets also real. a whole other level. Yeah, yeah it's a that's whole a married extra a monster layer. from outer space level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, the aliens have the real her, and then this is just something that they gave him to, like, that she's going to murder him, and it's totally weird, and it's bad. Give me my wife. Yeah. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's definitely, like, that weird extra layer to it where you're like, ooh, this isn't her. This is a... Or, like, they took her mind, mm -hmm. and this is different now. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah. Either you love this new alien her, or you leave. She's different now. Or she tries to hide you to save you. In the water. Yeah, where you breathe real good. Yes. You're a fish man. You'll totally be fine. It's interesting that that's both where both the husbands ended up in that film. Because it's like, what are what are these aliens that they can't see underwater? Also, what is a what is the motive of these aliens? I really want to know. It's a very interesting thing. Cuz yeah. why why was she trying to be an imposter for so long? I think like, well, if you're thinking of it in a, like a trauma sense, I think like she still is her. Yeah. But she's infected with mm -hmm. this like trauma but also like whatever was inside of her yeah that's like so she's and she's like on. hypnotized and controlled by the light so and the alien people like they're hypnotizing her with the mind control and all she does know that she's trying to cling to is who she was so she's trying to like make it okay and he's this connection to that but they're gonna destroy that because they have to take her Mm -hmm. So she wants to make sure that she still has that connection to who she once was by saving him, protecting him, hiding him. Now she hides him is by drowning him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a good spooky film. Um, I only recommend it if you are into horror films and spooky films. It's just like uncomfortable and, and stressful. It's yeah. incredibly stressful. And I think that's a big part of it is that you're just really intensely stressed and you're also really sad. Because yeah. you're watching her crumble and be this, like, shell to what she used to be. Yeah. And that's a really sad thing to go through and to watch. Yeah. And especially then you're also, like, watching his, like, grieving her mm -hmm. slash lack of... Like, you see him losing his mind. Yeah. While she's also losing her mind. Because she's, like, kind of gaslighting him, too. Like, yeah. you're being ridiculous. These are mosquito bites. It's like, you are bleeding quite a lot. Yeah. Please tell me. And, and it's also like, feel I don't betrayed. know who to be kind of, like, upset with. Because, like, you kind of are upset with him because you're, like... She's clearly going through a lot. Like, get, let her get there. But at the same time, you're like, no, you got to knock her out and take her to the hospital. Because mm -hmm. clearly stuff's not cool and she can't She's not dealing with it. it, yeah. Like, one of you has got to save one. <laughs> like, yeah. You got to do it. I don't know how to feel. Do I, Am I mad at him for not letting her get there? Or am I mad at him for, like, giving her too much time to get there? You need to knock her out with some Benadryl and take her to the hospital. Yeah. I don't know which one. I don't know which one I feel. Yeah. It's really? really sad, yeah. Yeah, it's just sad all around. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, I said feelings. Let's talk about feelings. Okay.
So if you like it, it's when will my reflection show who I am inside Mulan? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or if you don't like it, it's we don't remember. We don't remember. That was so dramatic. There's like a scene and he's like, like asking her stuff. Too. Yeah, he's asking her like <laughs> about a thing and she goes, we don't remember, which is clear that she's not just her. Something yeah, else like is going something on, which is honestly movie. one of the creepiest like sentences that has ever occurred in a film, which is very alien. Like mm-hmm. it's good. It's a good alien film. Yeah. Um, Where yeah. it's like, she's an imposter, but it's not her fault. Mm-hmm. Like she's just trying, I man. Remember. <laughs> uh, that's, he's like, why? Okay. Uh, so yeah. for <laughs> this topic of falling in love with monsters or loving monsters rather, because you're sometimes they're already a monster. Sometimes they're becoming a monster. How you feel? Um, when will my reflection show? That's what I'm about. Like, I just think it's like good to have empathy and just like see people. Yeah. I see you. See people. Yeah. Try harder. People aren't always going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to be what you expect. People are just people or like, energy is just energy. Be nice. Yeah. Care. Try. Open your mind. Yeah. Well, think about how nice it is when you're seen, you know? Like when someone truly sees you and allow that to drive you to then see people for who they are and yeah. that is what empathy is people i just, I just really like you. empathy so i'm just for empathy yeah guys absolutely for it. yeah and i i think the new way that we're approaching loving monsters mm-hmm. is awesome and i love that we we took the old tropes and the old metaphors and we turned them on their head and we have now made it positive. We have acknowledged that yes, people are different. Yes, things are different. And now we can allow ourselves to love people for being people. Love is love. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really happy we got past the whole you gotta fix somebody. Yeah. Like that loving somebody is fixing them. It's like, no, loving somebody is accepting them. Yeah. Whether they're a monster to begin with, or someone you love is changed irreparably because of something that happened to them. Yeah, it's just acceptance and, like, trying to understand and caring. And even if you don't understand, just, like, understanding you don't understand and and still loving them and trying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like... Being there. Yeah. Being an ally to the person you love. Yeah, understand that life is about change and that things are going to change and people are going to be different. We all walk different walks of life. And, yeah, just appreciating that a person is a person and loving them. Yeah. Uh, what about for the, the the media that we have analyzed? It was really interesting. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm about it. Mm-hmm. I think there were parts that could have been better. Mm-hmm. But that's everything. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I really it. liked Spring. I, I like the flipping the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy. I really I liked how bizarre that film was. I love yeah. the science aspects of it. I loved that we got to explore it. I love that she was this 2,000-year-old being that still was very personable and still very human. And, like, you know, we get a trip down memory lane. We get to see, like, oh, my ex-boyfriend painted me like this and that. Like, she had a very simple life for living 2,000 years. Like, she hasn't done anything crazy. Yeah, like, she was an other, but, like, about the fact that she was an other. Yeah. She was was like, this is just what life is. You exist, you do, you learn, you go, and hopefully I'll just, like, figure out who I am and, like, accept myself and love myself. Like, I'll know more about it. I'll know why. I really like that both Only Lovers Left Alive and this one explore immortality in a really great way of, like, as using it as an excuse to learn more. Yeah. And to, like, explore more and to, like, try to better the world despite the fact that people are moving at the pace that they're moving. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's cool. And Honeymoon, I enjoyed I watched it twice. It was, like, saying a lot, but, like, you weren't sure what it was saying exactly. So it was, like, it could be endless possibilities. Like, immortality. Immortality. Interesting. They were both so different. And, mm-hmm. I, and they were both very different. Yeah. yeah. Which is, like, exactly, like, what we were talking about. Like, we were, like, okay, let's talk about falling in love with monsters or loving monsters and then we found that that situation is twofold it's finding someone who's already a monster established loving them and it's finding someone you've already loved who's now different yeah so it's just like loving people for who they are even when that person changes a little bit so like 
if something bad happens, like, so if you're person that you're with like goes through a really traumatic event still loving them even though they're different now like they're gonna it's gonna be different and Mm -hmm. you either just actually did love them and want to help them get through it or you don't yeah like you were loving them because it's convenient yeah which one is it so that's cool (laughs) yeah and then you know there's also just like using otherness uh and showing that that it can be loved and let's Let's put some more mirrors out there. Uh-huh. Let's represent more people and more communities, and let's do it in a beneficial way, in a positive way that shows that everyone can be loved and can love. Or so, maybe get married. Yeah, maybe get married. <laughs> like, don't, but maybe. Don't maybe get married, do. maybe do it. Hopefully, they won't eat your kids. And, like, maybe you guys will just, like, have a really great life. Maybe you'll love forever, and it's beautiful. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>